Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. We are starting a brand new series today because last weekend was the unofficial start of summer, which I'm having a hard time with because, because I'm looking outside and this isn't the summer that I'm used to. The summer I'm used to in Bakersfield and Las Vegas is 115 degrees where you have to basically live in your swimming pool during the day. And was like, yeah, it's summer's here. I'm like, no, this is like cold and June gloom. And I don't know what you guys call it, but somebody called it lima bean weather. Uh, but I guess, I guess that's a local thing. But um, we're still getting to know. <laughs> People are like, no, uh, I don't know. All right. Okay, anyway. So Psalms. Uh, we have uh, been reading the book of Psalms in our daily reading. If you are new to our church, in the little program that you received, we have a little Bible reading card, and we love to read the Bible every day. So we want to read an Old Testament chapter every day and a New Testament chapter every day. And we have been in the book of Psalms for like the last three months because there's a lot of chapters in the book of Psalms, uh, there's 150. Now, some of them are short. Others of them are long. And I love the fact that the book of Psalms is found right smack dab in the middle of our Bibles. I love this because it's in the middle of our stories that we tend to get a little lost, don't we? It's like when things are at the beginning, we're excited, right? We're like, woohoo, it's all starting. And as we get towards the end, we're like, all right, man, you know, we're, we're coming to the end of this and light at the end of the tunnel. But people tend to get lost and overwhelmed in the middle 
of the story. And I, and I think this is why it's so cool that the Psalms are right in the middle of God's storybook. And we're going to cover this over the next several weeks. Today, I thought it would only be fitting to start with Psalm 1. Now, you got to know something about the book of Psalms. They're not all written by the same author, even though David, famous David that a lot of us have heard of in our time, you know, the, the giant slayer, the king of Israel, he wrote approximately half of them. And so as you start reading Psalms, more than likely, there's a 50-50 chance there, as you read all the Psalms, that David wrote it, uh, and he's not the only one. So it's a collection of a bunch of different authors. One of his worship leaders, Asaph, wrote a bunch of them. The, the sons of Korah wrote some. Even Moses has a psalm in the book of Psalms. But I, I like to say the, the book of Psalms is God's worship songbook. Like we have our worship songs. This was the Israelite worship hymn book, if you want to call it that, where they really connected with God when they were in places of dread, disappointment, uh, disbelief. And, and maybe that's your space this morning. Maybe you're going through a situation in life and, and, and there's just I don't know, there's just, I, I call it the, the, the feeling of just blah, where you're just like uh, maybe in a spiritual funk, you just thought God was supposed to do this, this, and this for you, and it's not working out. And I think the book of Psalms is such a good book to get into because it addresses those things. David, time and time again, was in a position where he's like, God, I don't understand you. A lot of times he was so honest with God, he's like, God, I don't even think you're listening to me. But needless to say, or I, you know, in that space, he would always come back and he'd always conclude that even though I may not be feeling God or seeing God, I know that God is with me and I'm going to praise him even though I don't feel like it. And God would always change David's attitude by the end of a psalm. So we're going to talk about all of this and we're going to get into Psalm 1 this morning. And Psalm 1, most Bible historians believe it was written by Solomon, his son. Now it can't be proven, but I love this idea because Psalm 1 kind of comes off like a forward of a book. I don't know if you guys read a lot of books, but normally in a book there's this forward section where somebody other than the author writes it and just kind of gives you an idea of what the book is all about. A lot of us skip that part. But I love Psalm 1 because it's kind of like, almost like a, uh, a summary of the attitude that Psalms gives us. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to talk about it. There's only six verses, but I guarantee you I can speak a long time with six verses, all right? So let me pray this, and we'll get into it. Father, I thank you so much for the work that you're doing in our new church. God, so many new people have come into Terranized lives, and we just feel so blessed, God. In this uh, short uh, time that we've known everybody, God, we feel like we're family. And so, God, move within this time as we just really look at the book of Psalms and speak to us, Lord. God, so many of us are, are, are struggling. So many of us are, are going through hard times. And I pray that you would use the book of Psalms to speak directly into the space that we're living at. And we thank you in advance for how you're going to accomplish that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Psalms is a book of healing. And Psalm 1 especially, as it really kind of gives us this contrast of what it looks like to have a life lived out with God, thinking about God, and a life lived out not even acknowledging God and the difference 
that very thing can do uh, between uh, the two different uh, uh, lifestyles. So Psalm 1, it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. I love this. So Psalm 1, verse 1, comes out and says, How blessed. Why? Because I believe this is a human desire that all of us share. We want to be blessed. And that word blesser in the Hebrew language is literally translated happy. And and think about the human condition. We want to be happy. If somebody says they don't want to be happy, they're lying to you. And I I just think our definition of happiness probably is in a couple of different places here. The, The way the Bible translates happiness is a deep satisfaction, a peace, a contentment. That even though maybe life could be difficult and, and issues might be flaring up, that satisfaction, that contentment, that peace is still there. That's when the Bible talks about being blessed, that's what it's talking about. It's not like everything is working out the way you want it to. It, it's deeper than that. It's, it's a sense that when you're going to bed at night, even though there may be trials that you're going through or problems that are developing, you just kind of lay your head down at night and you're like, you know what? Man, I just know God's got this. And you just kind of smile. You just kind of know like, hey, I know it's not working out the way I thought it was going to work out. But you know what? Man, this is kind of fun. It's kind of an adventure. That's what the psalmist is trying to get at. And he's trying to get at saying, I know the human desire. Even Jesus knew our human desire for happiness. And his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, talks about, uh, he talks about this and addresses this in a sermon where he says, blessed are, and he goes through all of these things saying, if you do these things, you're going to be blessed. And Psalm 1 says, how blessed are those who don't do these certain things. It's interesting that before the psalmist says, hey, you're going to be blessed if you do these things. He starts off by saying, you're going to be blessed if you don't do these things. And he says, there, there are things that you can allow into your life that can negatively shape who you become. You don't need a preacher to tell you that, do you? I mean, a lot of you have lived out life long enough to know that when you allow certain influences in your life, they can lead you down a road that you never intended to go down. And all it takes is really one friend, the wrong friend in your life, and you know it can, it can go off the rails quick. That's why I love this uh, verse in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I, I've said this you know, before I became a lead pastor. I was the youth pastor for many years, and I would tell the young people this verse all the time. Don't be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. That you can have every intention in the world to living a good, right life. But if you allow the wrong people into your circle of influence, it can set you off in a negative direction. We're, in, we're influencers, but we're also absorbers. Meaning that when we put ourselves around certain environments, we can absorb that, whether it be a good environment or a bad, negative environment. So we got to be super careful. So the psalmist is the first key to living out this blessed life is taking an inventory on the influences that you've allowed into your life. 
whether they, you are walking by them, standing with them, or even sitting with them. He says all of those things you need to be careful on. And it makes sense to me because as I think about our health and our bodies, there's emphasis put on two areas, right? Diet and exercise. And as I study nutrition, and I'm not an expert by any means, I just, I like to be healthy. But I realize that the older that I get, diet is actually even more important than exercise. They're both important, but diet's even more. So the things that you are taking in have a direct impact on how you feel. And I think this is what the psalmist is saying. Like, hey, we're going to talk about our exercise in a moment, the action steps that we need to do. But we need to stop and just think about the diet because it's, it's what we're taking in, the environments that we're allowing in and absorbing that can actually make us unhealthy. There's so many documentaries on Netflix right now. But the one that I will never forget is this one that came out years ago called Super Size Me. How many remember that one? Where the guy went on like a Big Mac diet uh, and he ate a Big Mac every day and he didn't exercise or anything. He gained all of this weight. And I was just tripping out when I watched his documentary going, man, yeah, we underestimate how much our diet affects our lives. And just in the same capacity, what the psalmist is saying is there are certain things that we need to say, maybe I shouldn't allow that into my spiritual body. Maybe I, I need to keep these things away from me. Now, I'm not preaching isolation. I'm preaching insulation. And there's a difference between isolation and insulation. Isolation is, I don't want anybody that, that doesn't love God or, or has no business with walking with God, I don't want them around my life. We know that that's not the way to live because Jesus didn't live that way. Matter of fact, a lot of times Jesus would be found hanging out with those kind of guys. But there's a difference of hanging out and, and having acquaintances in your life and them becoming your BFFs, them allowing them in, and then all of a sudden you begin doing the same things that they're doing. That's the difference here. And, and so we got to be careful of not isolating ourselves, but insulating ourselves, making sure that there are boundaries that we have set for ourselves with influences, whether they're cultural influences of media that we're taking in that are far off that we're walking by or, or maybe their co-workers or classmates that we're standing by or our really good friends that we're sitting with. The psalmist is saying if you want to be blessed you're going to watch the diet and make sure that the diet is good because if the diet's good you're going to be a healthier person. That just makes sense, right? Verse 2. Stay with me here. Verse 2 says... But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. So, so the second part of this is now the exercise. The exercise part is like, okay, you want to be blessed, then be excited to follow the instructions of God. Because there's one thing about like, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm supposed to get my Bible, I'm supposed to read, okay, I read my Bible, I checked the box and I put it away. No, that's, that's not the road to blessing. The road to blessing is like, man, I want to open it up and I want to see what this book has to speak into my life, into my situation and how I'm supposed to live my life. 
So when we read the word law there, just think of it as instruction. Like God's got instructions for you on how he wants you to be a human being. And he created you. He designed you. And so what better person to take instruction from than the one who put you here to begin with? I, I like this, and I learned this a long time ago, that the Bible can stand for basic instructions before leaving earth. I, I've always loved that. And it makes sense to me. But are you reading the Bible like, whoa, man, this is awesome, and I delight in it. Every time I open the book, it just speaks into my soul, and I love it. The person that is blessed is a person that opens it with expectation and excitement, that God is going to use that chapter. He's going to use those verses to help me become a better human being. But the second part is it says that he meditates on it day and night. Now, we heard the word uh, meditation, and maybe we think some weird ideas, right? Because we've maybe watched some YouTube videos on people doing some weird meditation stuff. But I, I want to kind of get that out of your brain, and I want you to think about what biblical meditation is. Because what the psalmist is talking about here is taking a thought and really owning it and dwelling on it and thinking through it, not just this passing thought bubble, but like you grab the thought bubble and you start massaging it, you start looking at it and looking at it inside and outside and, and backwards and forwards and really embracing it and absorbing all that it is. That's what it really means to meditate on the instructions of God. So how do you meditate on the instructions of God? I, I think the better analogy would be watching a cow chew its food. And I don't know how many of you have ever taken time out to watch this, um, but before I was a pastor, I actually was studying animal science so that I could be a veterinarian. I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and so their whole motto with education is you learn by doing. So we would go into a classroom, and then they would take us out into the field where all these cows were, all these horses were, and they're like, okay, we're gonna apply the things that we learned. It was really cool. But I spent a lot of time with cows. And, and besides learning about cows, that's when I started to love country music out there. It's like it kind of grows on you. The country music does that to you. Uh, so I'm out there with all these cowboy guys with F-150 Ford truck things, and I have my little Honda Civic. And I'm like, something here doesn't belong. So I'm out and I'm, and I'm studying cows and I'm, I'm learning all about it. it. And it's so interesting watching a cow eat because it will take some food and chew on it for a while and it'll swallow it and then it'll burp it back up and chew on it some more, swallow it, burp it back up, chew on it some more and swallow it. And what it's doing is going through a digestive process to take all the nutrients from the food that it's eating. And so when I think of meditating on the Word of God, I'm thinking more like a how a cow chews its food. It's like we, we take the Word in, right, and then we chew it up, we swallow it, and we burp it back up, and then we chew it up some more. Somebody's like, how in the world did I find my way to this church? Like, <laughs> who is this guy? But this is, I, I put a slide up here just so that you can get an idea of how you can chew on the Word of God. First, you read it. This, this is the first time you're chewing on it. You're, you're actually opening the Bible. Maybe you're, you're going through the reading card, and you're like, man, okay, now I'm reading this chapter. And this is why I advocate 
Like, don't get cheap when it comes to buying a good Bible. You know, buy a good one. Buy one that you understand and, and uh, buy a translation, like New Living Translation. If you have a hard time digesting and, and understanding what the Word is saying, uh, get a translation that's more easy for you to, to comprehend. But then you read it. That's the first step. You're, under, you're reading it. And like my uh, study Bible is the Life Application Study Bible. And so it's got little commentary notes on the bottom. So if you read something and you're like, I don't fully understand what that means, you can read a little commentary on the bottom and it can maybe give you a little bit more insight. But the first step to chewing on what God wants to tell you and in the instructions he wants to give you is just reading it. The second thing is then you write it. I'm a big advocate for journaling Bible study, journaling your devotions. And how I like to journal, you, you may have your own way. I call it the soap method because the word of God is what washes our soul. So I love the idea of soap. So when you're in the word of God, just think about this. The S stands for the scripture. So if you're like doing a journal, you buy a little journal, you start it off in the top, you write the scripture down. And then the O is observation. This is something that as you are looking at the chapter, as you're looking at what you're reading, and something just stands out to you, it just kind of it kind of uh, gets your attention. Then you write it down. You're just observing something in the text. And then the A is the application. This is where you can think of a, a situation that you're currently going through as a man or as a woman, and you're going, man, this, this really speaks to me about how this situation is with my marriage or how this situation is with my coworker or my employee or employer. And then you write it out like how you can apply this principle that you just read about to your life practically. And then the P is a prayer. Just, Lord, help me to do better in my relationship. God, help me to do this. And, and you just write down a prayer. So it's SOAP, S-O-A-P. But what I've noticed is as I journal the things that God is speaking to me, I retain it better. Any teacher will tell you that taking notes is a good way for you to help you retain the information that you're learning. So taking notes, even while you're doing your own personal Bible study, is perfect. And the third digestion is the share it. This is where you get to have a friend of yours maybe even your wife or your husband or maybe a, a somebody at church where you're like, I'm going to text him, man. God just spoke to me, and i got to share it with somebody. Maybe you have a whole list. I have a guy that texts his word from God every day to 150 dudes, and he individually texts them. I'm like, bro, like he's got a job that he's allowed to do that, I guess. I don't know. Um, that's got to take him a minute. But just think about by the 150th time that you've shared that text, you, you pretty much have this down, this thought that, that God has given you for his word. You've actually been able to chew on this word from God three different times. And so by the time you're done sharing it with somebody, you have fully digested the word of God into your soul. Are you still with me? I mean, I mean, this is important for us to understand that, that if you want to be hashtag blessed, as the people on social media like to say, if you want to live the hashtag blessed life, it first starts off by saying, hey, I've got to watch my diet. I've got to, I've got to look at what I'm allowing into my life. And the second part is I've got to exercise. I've got to, I've got to meditate on the word of God. Check it out. Verse 3. 
I told you I can talk a long time on six verses, all right? He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does, he prospers. See, I, I love this idea because where, where the water flows, fruit grows. And if you've ever been into an area where it's really barren, and there's a river that runs through the area, you, you always know where the river is because that's where it's green and lush. You see a lot of the vegetation. You see a lot of the trees. I'll never forget this picture in Africa when we were back there uh, last June. And we have a ministry that we do in Zambia. We help a school uh, where there's 500 kids that we're helping feed, educate, and disciple. It's amazing. Matter of fact, some of you that joined our church after September, you need to know the first thing we did as a church family on September the 16th is we put in a clean water well in Zambia, Africa for a village that had no clean water. And we literally were changing the world from day one as a, as a new church plant. Isn't that cool? That, that we were able to do that. And some of you that just joined our church recently had no idea the work that we're doing in Africa. But while we were in Africa, I saw this area as we were flying into this area. I was like, wow, you, you can tell where the river is because that's where all the vegetation is. And so what happens is somebody that is really living their life out following God, letting God lead their life, thinking about God, meditating on God, is like that amazing vegetation that is growing by the river. Let me tell you, it says that fruit will come in its due season. Sometimes fruit takes a little while to get there. Can I give you a word this morning, church? Don't give up too quick before the fruit is able to show up in your life. Some of you are on the brink of seeing some amazing fruit come into your life, but it's hard because you're like, man, I, I've been thinking about God now for a while. I've, I've really watched my, my spiritual diet. I've really insulated myself against influences that would pull me away. And pastor, I don't, I don't see any changes. Don't grow weary in doing good, the Bible says, because at the proper time, God is going to reap a harvest. Matter of fact, this is a scripture in Galatians. This is, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not, what church? Can you just turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up, your fruit's coming. Don't give up, your fruit is coming. I love that. But I want, I want you to see this, church, that there are four things that really are promised in this verse. Four things that happen to somebody that is really being intentional about thinking about God. Number one, they're going to be firmly planted. This is stability. How many of you would love more stability in your life? How many of you feel like, man, I'm just being tossed and turned? Like, God has a stability for your life when you are intentionally living your life in him. It doesn't mean your circumstances are stable. It means you're stable even when your circumstances aren't. There's a difference. Secondly, you're watered. You're refreshed. There's a refreshment that is poured out on your life as you are intentionally living your life with God at the center. He wants to water you. He wants you to live refreshed. 
Some of you, you feel like there's a drought in your life, and I'm telling you, you live close to God. He will refresh you, and he will use people. He will use sermons like this. He will use his word. He will use worship. But God is in the refreshing business. Thirdly, there's going to be fruit in your life. There's going to be fruitfulness. I was going to put fruitiness, but that's, that means something different. You're fruitful, not fruity, all right? Maybe you are fruity too. But, but there's a fruitfulness that happens that, that when, you, when God starts moving in your life, your, your life begins to produce something that's a benefit for other people. In other words, some, some people start coming around your life because your life tastes good. Your life is, is giving off something and people want to be around it. I don't know if you've ever had a fruit tree in your yard that's been fruitful, but a lot of times the tree will give you more fruit than you and your family can eat before it goes bad. So you gather all the fruit, and what do you start doing? You start sharing it with all your friends and family, like, hey, I got all this fruit. That's what fruitfulness does. It allows you to share it with other people that need some nourishment in their life. And third, or fourthly, is it gives you a resilience. The leaf doesn't wither. That when God is moving in your life, your leaf doesn't wither. There, there's things that happen against your life, but you know what? It doesn't affect you. There's a resilience that you have where other people want to just throw in the towel and quit. You're like, no, man, I, I, I may not feel like this is moving the direction I want it to go, but I know that God has the final word in my life, and so I know that God is with me, and so therefore I can get through whatever it is that life is putting me through right now. There's a resilience so, so here's the question, church. When somebody around your life is describing your life, maybe to another person, when, when they're trying to describe who you are as a person, do they use words like, he is stable, she's refreshing, he's fruitful and fruity, yeah. <laughs> and, and she's resilient? Because these are words that should describe you if you're really intentionally going after all that God wants for you and all that God has waiting in a relationship with him. But there's the second part of that. It says in, in verse 3, it says, and that, that you will prosper. I love that word in the Hebrew, that the word you will prosper, because the idea there is that you're going to make advances in your life. You're, in other words, your, your life is progressing. It's not like you're going to be rich and wealthy and have your own jet airplane. And I know there's messages out there like that, but that's not what the psalmist is getting at. He says, when he's saying that you're going to prosper in everything you do, he's saying that you're going to progress. You're going to have advancements there. You are going to start making a lot of differences in other people's lives with your life. You're not stuck. You're moving forward. That's what it means to prosper when it comes to Psalm 1. God wants you making advancements in your life. He wants you to be making progress, whether it's through your situation or a relationship or whatever the case might be. But then he switches gears. In verse 4, that's the blessed life. Now we're talking about a life that's lived outside of God outside of thinking about God, just kind of living life uh, the way you want it to, to be lived out, not following God's instructions. It says, For the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. So a, a little kind of back 
ground on chaff and wheat is there was a process, even that Jesus mentions, John the Baptist brings it up in the New Testament, that when they would harvest the wheat, they would come in these stalks. And in order to get the wheat, which was the food, they would have to take this harvest and they would have to beat it down. A lot of times, you know, they didn't have, you know, machinery machinery like we have now that processes it. So they would take oxen, they would take cattle, and they would just stomp all of this harvest out. And what would happen is the food part would come out and the stock part, which was the chaff, would, would come loose of it. The chaff is the, like the packaging that the food came in. And so the stomping or this crushing would separate them, and then they would take this winnowing kind of fork, and they would kind of toss it up, and the wind, because the chaff had no substance, would just kind of be blown away, and the fruit or the the food would be left in the process. And I like what the psalmist is saying here. He's saying somebody that is really not living their life Moving their life towards God is like this chaff that just kind of blows up and and once the crushing happens, they just kind of get blown away. And see, here's the idea. Life is a threshing floor. Just like they talked about in the Old Testament, life in itself has a way of crushing us, doesn't it? I don't care if you're somebody that you love Jesus with all your heart or maybe you're far from God today. We all have a tendency to get crushed in this life. And it's this crushing that happens. And a crushing could take place in a relationship, in a financial situation, in a tragedy. But the longer I'm a pastor, the more I realize that, that we're all in this process of being crushed. And see, what happens when we're crushed, if there's really no substance in our life, the wind is going to come and we're going to just get blown away. And, and I know we, we may have a hard time understanding what this chaff looks like. But I think our modern-day chaff are tumbleweeds. Now, see, I'm a desert guy, so I'm used to tumbleweeds. Some of you, you've never seen a tumbleweed in your life. You're like, what is that? You know, in some parts of Asia, tumbleweeds, especially tumbleweed snowmen, they go for like two or $3,000. They were, a couple years ago, they were, there was a market. They were asking people uh, in the desert regions of the United States to ship them tumbleweeds so they can build these snowmen, these tumbleweed snow. I, I don't know. I don't get it. But if, you, if you're an entrepreneur, hey, maybe there's a business. I don't know. But I look at these things, and they're a nuisance. And if sometimes you're driving at the, the right time of the year, I mean, these things can, like, stack up on each other, and they could be bigger than your car. I drove through a tumbleweed storm the other day. And I mean, these tumbleweeds were bigger than my car. And like, you could run through them and there's just no substance. They just blow up. They're kind of fun. Um, and I see cars like swerving like, oh, don't hit the tumbleweed. I'm like, dude, there, there's no substance. It might scratch your front of your car a little bit. But, but this is the contrast here. So the psalmist is saying there's, there's really two outcomes. If, if you want to live your life with God, then, then you are going to be a fruitful, not a fruity, a fruitful life. But if you're not, you're, you're going to be like this tumbleweed that just, you know, when, when this crushing happens and, and your life kind of doesn't have any roots to it, you're just going to be blown around and it's going to be a wasted life. You have a choice. Are you going to live fruitfully or are you going to live more like a tumbleweed? But life has a way of crushing you. 
And it's when you're crushed that you can discover really what kind of a person you are. Are you fruitful or are you more like the chaff? And, you know, my brother ran a group home for troubled teenage girls for years. And it, it was so interesting to talk to these girls because he would bring them to our family functions because a lot of them didn't have families. And it just ministry. And I would talk to my brother afterwards and I'm like, bro, how are these girls in like these group? I mean, these are like angels. Like, like, man, I would love for them to be in my home. They're like, how are, how are they in a group home? He says, because you have not seen them all the time. And I go, what do you mean by that? He said, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them, they know how to act until they're crushed, until they're told no, until they have to follow rules, and then they become a different person. And I think, wow, that's a lot like us. Like, we can put on the happy face, and we could act a certain way, but we don't really know what position we're in until the weightiness and the crushing starts happening against our life and what ways that we respond to that crushing. See, the the reason we could be fruitful in the midst of crushing is because Jesus is in our lives keeping the weightiness of the crushing off of us. Where if we didn't have Christ in our life, that weightiness would just completely devastate us. But, But he's come. Remember, to to give us rest. He's there taking the weightiness of these crushing things off of us so they're not completely obliterating us and and doing what verses 5 and 6 says. And we'll end there because it's not a long psalm. It says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment or sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, that sounds really judgmental in the sense like, like, hey, you don't live for God, you perish. But this isn't just talking about an eternal thing here. This is talking about your life. And how many of us know somebody that is trying to live this life without God and they've went through some crushing blows and they're a mess? I've done too many funerals for young men and young women that decided they didn't want to listen to God and listen to his instructions and, and, and insulate themselves from these influences. And it ended up costing them their lives away too early. I just did a funeral not too long ago for a 24-year-old young man that decided that he just wanted to stay up and party one night with his friends, and it cost him his life. I'm sure when he started partying, he didn't he didn't think, hey, I'm going to die tonight. Because he was having a good time, according to his friends, until it just got away from him. <laughs> Life has a way of doing that, doesn't it? Let me tell you, there's no better way to live this life than following the instructions of God who created you, who knows you better than you know yourself. And who tells us the way to hashtag blessed is not just meditating and thinking about God, but being intentional to keep yourselves in a position from all of these other things influencing you and pulling you off course. 
Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.